This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. So I think this is on many people's minds. This was just breaking news in Power headlines now, right? A seventh suspect has now been arrested. As Police Minister Bigitele has announced, uh, the arrests in connection with the murder of South African rapper Kenan, a.k.a. Forbes, and his friend Dibelo Tibbs Mozwane. The two were shot dead as they left Wish Restaurant in Florida in Durban. In February last year, the suspects, uh, police rather, say suspects will appear in court on Thursday. We're joined by IRS forensic investigator Chad Thomas to talk a little bit more. Chad, thank you very much for joining us. Welcome to Power Lunch. Thank you so much. Good afternoon to you and the listeners. So it feels like the beginning of a long, tedious case. I, I mean, I think because we've seen cases like Senzo Miyua's murder case, which will be 10 years old this year. I just wonder what some of the expectations are. Are we making or are the police making quicker progress uh, in this particular case, Chad? It would seem as such. Mm. Um, I think this is a great win for the Southern Police Services together with their partners in the National Prosecuting Authority as well as for crime intelligence. When we look at the arrest um, of the original four in South Africa and two in Swaziland, we found out that they were linked to other murders. And this goes to show just how prolific murder for hire has become in South Africa, that there are syndicates of what we call Izinkabi out there that are operating murder for hire on a day-to-day basis. And I do believe that the police are making the necessary inroads given their limited resources and capacity. So I think this is a great win for them so far. Tell me what some of your highlights are from last night's briefing. And, of course, this is always evolving. Any new information you have? So I think the highlights were more from the times of Eswatini, who took to publishing a lot of what had been provided to the Eswatini courts by the DPP from KZN. Mm. And they were able to, to list quite a few interesting aspects of the case, especially regarding the spotter who was in the um, restaurant at the time of, um, of, of, of AKA's presence just prior to the hit. Uh, we also found that information about how the vehicle um, and, and uh, the identified vehicle that had followed them from the airport to the hotel, from the hotel to the restaurant. So a lot of things emerging both in the press conference as well as from what the Times of Eswatini are reporting. Mm. I think the most important thing that's come out for me is the fact that they've linked a lot of the suspects to other murders. And it just goes to show how rife this is in South Africa and how sadly we're becoming one of the murder capitals of the world, not just in terms of contact crimes in the execution of crimes such as cash and transit, but also more specifically in this world of assassinations. Mm. I I was going to say, this is incredibly well orchestrated, planned out. I mean, some of these pieces of information that we're finding out, uh, as you mentioned, the spotter who's within the venue, those who are outside of the venue. I mean, this is not an opportunistic crime, as the minister said. It was deliberate. Um, and and so it makes me think, uh, you know, in terms of the investigation, are the people who've been arrested the kingpins? Are we going to get to the person who's planned all of this and orchestra and, and, and press the button to send the Ngabis out. So you make a valid point there. When we look at the Babita case, they never ever identified who the person was that actually hired the hitman. 
We know who the facilitator was and who the middleman was and who the actual trigger men were. We've got unsolved cases like um, the Marumo Eric Pena case uh, where he was a whistleblower in the Department of Home Affairs. We know he was assassinated. We suspect who the, the mastermind was who yeah. paid for the hit and we're waiting for arrest there. With this particular case, it seems that there's a couple of unsolved cases that have been brought into this. This was definitely a criminal enterprise. So out of the original six arrests, they've linked them already to two other murders, one mm. of which was a murder of somebody in the taxi industry. That's very important because the two suspects that are currently in Eswatini's family are also in the taxi business. We've known for years that hits take place within the taxi industry. Yes. It's extremely lucrative, and taxi rival taxi associations and owners have been known to take out other drivers, owners, to obtain routes. We've also seen that these even Carby from KZN, they'll be rented out to other syndicates. And you make a, a very valid point when you say it was extremely well organized. Somebody had to supply the intelligence. Mm. In other words, what flight he was in, where he was going to be staying. Somebody had to supply the vehicles that we use as lookouts. Somebody had to supply the foot soldiers. Somebody had to supply the firearms. And this isn't indifferent to what we see in CRT syndicates or what we see in kidnapping syndicates. Right. There's a lot of planning that goes in. And that's why we call these syndicates organized crime, because they are exceptionally well organized. Right. And they have access to the foot soldiers, to the weapons, to the stolen vehicles, to, to help facilitate the execution of these crimes. Mm. So Interpol is involved, um, obviously, because, you know, the extradition needs to take place of the other accused in Swaziland. Why is this important, um, Chad? And, and will this make the process a little bit faster, considering, um, you know, there is another case of a popular pastor. He's living freely in Malawi after escaping South Africa. Are we going to get these suspects back into South Africa for a, a court proceeding? I, I assume they would fight tooth and nail not to be brought back to South Africa. However, um, looking at recent um, incidents involving um, other high-profile criminals, I don't think there's going to be much of a problem getting them back to South Africa. The case of the DPP has made a very good case to the Eswatini authorities. The reason why Interpol is involved is because it's cross-border. Um, Interpol isn't independent in each country. It's actually made up of those countries' police officers who are appointed in an Interpol role. So, for example, the Interpol office in Arcadia in Pretoria is manned by South African police service members who are seconded to Interpol. And they it just to facilitate red notice, yellow notice, and the whole protocols involved with um, extraditions or deportations, whatever the case may mm. be. I don't think we're going to have a problem getting them back into, into South Africa. But again, it goes to show that interagency um, cross-border cooperation yeah. is the key to solving a number of South African crimes because we're seeing a lot of suspects in South African crimes crossing the border and not just going to neighboring countries, going to other static countries and in other instances as, as far abroad as Israel, Australia, America. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's leave it there with you, Chad. We obviously will keep connecting uh, as more information keeps being released. That's IRS Forensic Investigator Chad Thomas on the line with us. Thanks for your time. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.